This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby! What is up, everyone? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdowns. Jake Burns, we are going to break down a little later than normal. I decided to try to... Uh, to switch this up and, and record a little later than an immediate reaction. Some of you might not like this. You can let me know on Twitter. I'm sure you will voice your opinion. Uh, but I'm going to try to do more analysis of what happened in the game instead of uh, instead of focusing on immediate reaction, kind of stepping back, watching the game multiple times, getting a better feel for what happened and insight about uh, exactly how the action unfolded. And uh, hopefully, you, uh, hopefully you like this way. And we will uh, we'll give it a shot. So hopefully you're all enjoying your victory Monday. We all know that by now the Browns win 20-6. Uh, to 6. Um, A really mundane performance, and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. Uh, we obviously know about limited possessions for both teams as the running of, of the football kind of matriculated the clock. And really both quarterbacks, Baker going 27-32 of 32, and Colt McCoy to an extent going 19-31 of 31 were... We're keeping the clock running. So this game went extremely quick. I believe the Giants only had seven total offensive possessions. So, you know, the difference in this game as you look at total yards, Browns go for 392 to 288. And um, uh, you look at really what unfolded. And NFL games are so they're so tight, they're so narrow, and it's just a few plays or a, a singular drive that can almost change the game. And I thought, obviously, the biggest drive was the Browns take over I think the score at the time was um, was just seven to three, and the Browns take over on a fourth down and one. They make a stop. Uh, they get the football back at their own five yard line. Nice tackle there to keep Wayne Gallman short, and then they uh, go on a ten play, ninety five yard drive that encompasses four minutes and fifty five seconds of the remaining time on the clock, leaving New York with just twenty one seconds. Who obviously can do nothing with it. They knee it, and the Browns go out thirteen three. And then they get the football in the second half. Obviously, they um, they punted the first possession, but then they get it back and go uh, in another ridiculously long 95-play drive um, that, that, that is 14 plays and 95 yards. So two 95-yard drives in a matter of three, 
um, total drives, one for New York, two for Cleveland, and Cleveland gets two two 95-yard drives that encompass you know almost a quarter of play, uh, really 13 minutes of action uh, in total, which is just wild. I mean, but that's the difference, right? The Browns make three red zone stops. New York gets no points. Uh, three red zone stops, holding them to two field goals, and the Browns score two touchdowns. And listen, that's the difference, man. Like in some of these games, that's the difference. And and uh, obviously, you know, Baker Mayfield was extremely sharp. I thought they missed a few running uh, chunk plays by just the narrowest of margins. Nick Harris, pretty solid. He's undersized, and when he's as undersized as he is, sometimes that catches up with him, especially being moved off the point of attack. He did give up one sack, but played a pretty solid football game overall. Uh, but they're just, you know, a guy here, a guy there from breaking some big runs. And what they did is the Giants, just like Baltimore, just like Tennessee, just like Jacksonville, they're saying, we're not going to let you run the football at will. We're going we're gonna to step down in the box, and we're going to make it difficult to, to run. And we're going to try to challenge you at the point of attack and force you to throw. Well, that's what the Browns are doing. And they're proving that they can do it. They can throw the football in both unpredictable play-action-based situations and predictable situations from the gun, from empty, to beat you. That's what good football teams do. So we're going to talk a nauseam about Baker Mayfield. I will throughout the week. I'm not going to talk about him a ton right now because I'm going to have John Costco from Pro Football Focus on in a minute. We're going to talk about him at length. But, like, he's playing really good football, and it doesn't matter to me how he's getting there. And it shouldn't matter... To you, the results are what matters, and he's playing well. He's making the throws. He's not throwing to a bunch of wide-open guys. He's making big-time throws. According to the metric at Pro Football Focus, he made four of them in this game alone. So don't spare me that stuff, man. I get it. The scheme can help him. The scheme is something he's comfortable with, but that's the most important thing. He's comfortable, finally. He's finally getting to the point where his confidence appears to be back, He's comfortable with his play caller. He's comfortable with his offensive line. He's comfortable with the scheme. And that matters. And that translates into a quarterback thriving in the NFL. And against some pretty good defenses of late, too. And there's no reason for you to not be trending up on Baker Mayfield. If you want to just hold 2019 against him, that's fine. I wrote I wrote some harsh words early in the year. He was playing bad. And I was concerned. I never buried him, but I was concerned. And he's turning it around. And he's... He's been a top-five quarterback since the bye week, collectively looking at the grade. And you can say, well, you could take chunks of seasons out. That's fine. But if you're going to take that route, you also have to take the route of understanding what was going on entering his third season. If you have not had a chance to go read Mary Kay Cabot's piece on what Drew Stanton had to say about the dysfunction of 2019, go do so. There's a lot of enlightening things going on in there, and uh, it touches on why this is finally working. But you also have to do the due diligence of understanding that Baker was going into his third scheme in three years. Third play caller. That matters. He needed time to grow. He needed time for confidence. And listen, I might have been a little too trigger-happy. you got to admit your own faults. Maybe I was a little too trigger-happy too quick, but you, you know, my job is to call it how I see it. And at the time, when he's not playing bad, I was not the only one concerned. You have to take my word on that. There are there many people way more important than me that were concerned. But he's slowly turning people's heads, and he's doing it on his own. Like, he deserves the credit. Stop giving the credit to other people. He deserves the credit, so give it to him. Other people are helping, cool, you can say that, but stop saying he's a product of everything else other than his own hard work, his own diligence, his own performance. That matters. So again, I'm sorry, went on a little tirade. We're going to talk about Baker in just a minute. But that would be brought up. Listen, the Browns' defense, we know they're, they're, they're frustrating at times. But again, the, the, the thing that I come back to, and Carl Joseph played his butt off. 
Uh, I thought it was great having Denzel back. B.J. Goodson continues to be an anchor in the middle of the linebacker unit. So valuable this year. Is there just timely enough? And uh, you can say what you want about some teams having better metrics and the win-loss column in terms of like uh, the plus-minus, all of those things, which I think hold merit. I don't dismiss them. But I think you have to understand that the NFL comes down to getting stops, whether that's a punt or whether that's a fumble or whether that's a stop on downs. You have to get stops. And the Browns have done enough of it to win football games. They're not a good defense. They do not have many players who are who are better than just kind of Jags. They're, 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 there's not a ton of them. By Jags, I mean just another guy. A lot of average players there. But they're doing enough. They're getting to the football. They're making enough plays when it matters to help this team win football games. And holding any team in the NFL to six points deserves credit. And they do deserve credit. So... Uh, we're not going to dilly-dally around and waste time. We've talked about guys who played well. Uh, if we look at the grades for this game, uh, Baker has his best professional football game, in my opinion, with his 92.2 grade. Uh, several great throws throughout. Austin Hooper, and really all three tight ends. Hooper goes for 87.5, Njoku 77.2, and Harrison Bryant 72.1. This Browns offense is best when these guys are playing a ton. They, they play all three tight ends. 30 snaps plus between the three of them. 31 for Bryant. 31 for Njoku, 45 for Hooper, 45 Jarvis Landry snaps, he's uh, 78.3 grade, and 47 for Higgins. It's just a nice little skill group they have there, man. It's really good. Uh, J.C. Treader struggled a little bit, especially in the run phase. He had the low score, 53.9. Nick Harris had a 55.1, which is pretty admirable for uh, coming in playing a position he hasn't played since his early college years and filling in and doing well, so shout out to him. Defensive side of the football, uh, looking at grades, I thought Olivier Vernon handled himself really well, especially in the run game. He had an 83, uh, sorry, he had a 76.9 grade. Sione Takitaki continues to do a nice job in limited snaps, 22 snaps, 83.9 grade. We all know Mac Wilson didn't suit up for this game. To me, it's strictly a performance thing. And I think that there's some 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 issues where he only played 17 snaps last week, is frustrated, had a bad week of practice. And if you've paid attention to Kevin Stefanski's quotes, I think there's something going on there. Uh, it just sounds like he had a bad week. He, he voiced frustration. Something is going on there. Not entirely sure what, but it, it just is a vibe that I get. Carl Joseph, 78.2 grade is great. Two pass breakups. He broke up a touchdown in the end zone um, on, a, on, a, on a ball to Evan Ingram that I thought was just fantastically done. B.J. Goodson, 71.0. And it was nice to be able to play Kevin Johnson in the slot again with a 70.2 overall grade, 72 in coverage. So really good uh, good work from him. And Terrence Mitchell, 69.9. Uh, one, of the, one of the worst graded games for Miles, 61.9. Certainly talking about COVID, struggles he's had there. there's no doubt in my mind that it's impacting him. So getting him back to peak miles by playoff time, and he's dressed the same thing as kind of the goal here. Hopefully they can get him there. 61.5 from Denzel Ward. I thought that grew a little hard. He gave up a couple throws, but uh, was his typical sticky self. Uh, And then other guys who played at bulk snaps, like Malcolm Smith uh, grades poorly. I didn't notice him as big an issue, but he graded poorly at 41.9. Jacob Phillips in his first start, 47. Uh, I think Malcolm Smith's been really solid all year. Uh, I think he should continue to get a majority of snaps over Phillips, so hopefully that trend continues because he's been at least effective in the past phase, and uh, and that's what the Browns need when they play nickel and they have two linebackers in there in those predictable situations. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of a roundup of grades. We talked about the game, the mundane, mundane nature, and just kind of a business-like approach, how they got it done. When the Giants were clearly fired up, like the Giants came out of the locker room, that opening kickoff, like you could tell they wanted this game, man. Like they... They knew it was on the line. First place is on the line in the NFC East, and, and they played with a lot of passion. But Cleveland just sort of 
Death by a thousand cuts, man. Those two 95-yard drives. Can't speak highly enough about them. Especially the second one where multiple penalties put them in bad situations down near the goal line and in goal-to-go situations, and they just overcame them. Uh, multiple uh, touchdown scores that were wiped away or big plays that were wiped away down there, and it didn't matter. They were just going to find a way to score, and they did. So good stuff. Let's uh, talk real quick about our folks at Indeed before we get over to our guest. We know about the challenge 2020 has been with reshaping work. Maybe you're gearing up for that 2021 uh, situation with your employer here where, where you're trying to get the right hire in the door. And Indeed is going to help you get that in the new year. They're the number one job site in the world, total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. They'll help you find the quality candidates you're looking for fast so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike any other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job. Make Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers going in the U.S. to Indeed each month. Make sure you're getting your job posted there. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed. Make sure you go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to get the $75 credit, free $75 credit, to boost your job, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Again, a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is closing in quick. It only lasts. I've been talking about Indeed for months. It only lasts through December 31st with terms and conditions that do apply, so make sure you take advantage of that now. And again, our folks at BetOnline.ag, football back in full swing. It's 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 getting to the point you might want to consider your futures. You don't have many out there, maybe an MVP, maybe a next coach fired, something along those lines. They have player props. They have, obviously, games, parlays, uh, moving lines, teases, all that fun stuff you want. BetOnline is there for you to take advantage of. The great sign-up bonuses using the promo code uh, Blue, uh, Blue Wire. That's all one word, Blue Wire, using that promo code. Again, player coaching props, they're the best out there. Money gets to you quickly. It's convenient. Use BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now we transition to our interview with Pro Football Focus's John Costco. John does a great job handling quarterback study. He's one of the lead quarterback grade um, employees at Pro Football Focus. I have a lot of talks with John uh, through private conversation about just Baker and, and the NFL and all of it, and he's always great to talk to. So hopefully you guys... Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this interview. Let's get over that now. John, you've obviously posted a lot of stuff, man, encouraging things of late. You and I have had discourse throughout the season of varying levels of concern for Baker early on into we think he's turning this thing around, how he's turning it around. I'm curious your perspective. Uh, I obviously know you break down the data side of things, but the, the, the people don't understand the film aspect of what you guys do too. It's not just numbered conversion it's film conversion what what's a good play what's a bad play uh there's elements of this thing that's it's not just data it's also looking at film to to find the data conclusion so like what is different from from pre-buy baker mayfield to post-buy baker mayfield in your opinion yeah we i mean what a good way to explain what we do is is we're quantifying the film you know putting numbers to the film essentially and we're you know grading what is a positive play and what's not and the biggest, biggest difference to me is I think, I think Baker's just a lot more comfortable in this system um, and, and just more comfortable, not just the system, like, like in general, he was doing things that you wouldn't expect a quarterback that's played quarterback position for most of his life to be doing, like not being able to read what a single high defense is versus a two high defense is. And I, I you know, I can't really have an explanation for why he was 
you know, botching like some of the most simplistic plays that you'd have. Um, but I think, I think what it is is that he's, he's now just got the confidence and he's, he's throwing with accuracy. He's making full field reads. He's seeing the defense the way you'd expect a, a franchise quarterback to be able to see the defense. Um, and he's, and he's just hitting these throws. Um, and, and this is basically the bottom line of it is, is that he's seeing the defenses like you're supposed to be able to see them. He, he know, you know, it's not as if the defenses are just giving him one vanilla bland look and he's just being able to pick it apart. Defenses are giving him exotic looks and, um, and he's, he's being able to decipher it. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and we all know that the arm talent he has, and he's just able to, um, he's always been an accurate guy when he knows what he's looking at. And, he now knows what he's looking at. I don't know if it's something just clicked with him in terms of, of being able to, to see it better. So like I have theories, I always have theories, John. And my theory with the Browns and Stefanski when he's brought in here was Baker Mayfield needs, he needs the confidence back that we saw in 2018. It was imperative for him to find that level of confidence that he had there because when he's confident, I think he's a different quarterback. And with that confidence is putting things around him to help him feel that way, improving the offensive tackle play so he's not worried about frontside, blindside pressures, whatever, uh, improving uh, the right guard, improving uh, the situation and how they rush the football, and incorporating play action because – I think a level of Baker, he needs to get in a rhythm. Every quarterback does. I think it's beneficial. And, and to me, it looked like the early portion of this year was about building Baker's confidence back, putting him in as, as few risky situations as they possibly could as games would permit. Some games, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, week one, so far and so forth, they're going to have to risk it. But they're just trying to mitigate to get his confidence back. Now they've built confidence, and we see a guy – who's who's decisive he understands the offense the play caller is in tune with him and I think that that really matters I think that that's what we're seeing and like I guess where I'm going with the whole thing with Mayfield and how he's playing better of late is like the concept of play action based offenses is is obviously it's a part of Stefanski's nature it's a big part of why he was brought in here because it does help quarterbacks there's no denying that but I think there are varying levels of skill within a play action type of system if there was not John and everybody was good at it everybody would run the same system and it wouldn't matter so like my question is this and this is kind of something I tweeted out today is is there levels to play action ability for quarterbacks that are tangible like, is, is Baker's ability to handle that system better than other guys? Like, I think being able to turn your back and play action, get your eyes where they need to go, deliver a strike into, into coverage is an impressive skill. I get that it creates some opportunities, and you obviously want guys who are going to be able to throw in predictable situations with success throughout their career. But, like, I just think that it shouldn't be used as an excuse for good quarterback play. Like, where do you sit on that? Am I sounding stupid? Like, go ahead. No, I mean, it definitely is a, there's a skill to it, right? Like, I mean, look at Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. He, he never runs play action. He's at play action at less than 10% of his dropbacks, and every single one of them are, are essentially – almost every single one of them are when it's just a token fake in the shotgun that's not really a, a play action fake. Um, so he's not comfortable doing it, and he won't do it. Uh, so some, there are quarterbacks that's just – aren't comfortable doing it. Look at even like Aaron Rodgers, like Aaron Rodgers before Matt LaFleur was there really didn't utilize it all that much from under center type stuff. Um, but as talented as guys, as Aaron Rodgers, he clearly, you know, was able to pick up on that and, and, and play at a high level. 
it, it is it is something that inherently is easier for the quarterback to do. Like I'm just in, in general, from most quarterbacks just play better when they're able to do play action because it it helps define reads. And every quarterback is better when you define reads for them um, and make it things easier for them. Um, are some quarterbacks better than others? Well, absolutely. I mean, you can just look at the at the NFL this year. Carson Wentz on play action passes is the 52.8 passer. Uh, you know passing grade so it's not as if like oh we just got to utilize more play action pass and it's going to be good to go no I mean you have to pair that with with good decision making and good good quarterback play and, and clearly this year Baker Mayfield is, is doing extremely well in that he has um just the one inter- one interception on play action pass this year and so um it's for him it, it this is a perfect system I think we saw at Oklahoma and what he was able to how he was able to play extremely well there Part of it was utilizing a power play action system. A lot of counter uh, play action and here in, in Cleveland, it's wide zone play action stuff. It doesn't really matter. He is just inherently better with that and is a much more comfortable quarterback doing so. And, and you're right. Like surround Baker with, to make him more comfortable. You should do that with every single quarterback to, to give him that confidence. And they've, they've done it right for sure. Clearly they, they've done it right. And you also have to give kudos to Baker for, for really, you know, sticking through it. And I think you're, I don't think you're, I don't think you're off base basically was, you know, long story short, you're not off base in what you're saying. It's just like, you know, people talk about the investment and where they put money and how they had to give Baker all these things. Well, if you look at when Baker's been really good and this Odell Beckham discussion is, is, is another time, another place. But I mean, like, you know, Jarvis Landry's a 15 million a year player and, and you could easily argue that he's not worth that. And we're not going to discuss that either. But what I'm getting at is with this offense and how it structures and what Baker does well, it's pretty clear that they can skimp at wide receiver spending big money at that position as the same on the other side of the ball they do at linebacker. So in my opinion, they're investing in what makes sense for their quarterback. The same way another offense might make more sense to invest, say, Pat Mahomes, investing in Travis Kelsey, investing in Tyreek Hill, and those guys who are burners downfield because he, like, I love Pat Mahomes. He's a unicorn, man, but he creates his own pressure sometimes, and that's not something that is arguable. So, like, he creates the pressure, but he makes plays out of it largely because he has crazy separation players. So, like, the Brown structure is, hey, man, we really want to run the football. We're going to invest in the offensive line. We're going to invest in the running backs. They probably end up skimping a wide receiver in the near future. That's just where I think they do. Uh, go about this whole thing because Baker's proving that he can handle the nuances of this offense to bring out the best and wide receivers. So I just think that you're, if you're looking for reasons to be down on Baker, it involves, Hey, they have to do X, Y, and Z just to get him to be good. Well, I think it's, this guy is coming along and actually making plays. He's doing the things he's supposed to do. He can't help the offensive structure. He's in what they're they're asking him to do. He's doing what he's supposed to do, and he's had a nice turnaround. Kudos to him. He's had a nice turnaround as the years wore on. So, like, I, Baker's not doing anything crazy new, John. Like, I think you would probably agree with me. Like, he's not doing anything groundbreakingly new, but he's making the throws, and he's doing what he's supposed to do in the offense, and that actually matters. You can't ignore that. So, like, I guess it's like, does, is, is, the, is the success he's finding outside of play action sustainable to you? Do you see some better traits going on? I have an answer for this, but I'm curious your thoughts. Is he handling the pocket better? Is he, is he getting his eyes to the right places more consistently? What do you think in the situations that aren't, air quotes, easier play action opportunities? Yeah, I, I'm, you know, to, to even expand upon that, like, this – 
the system is making Baker look better or, or whatever. If you want to see a system that's making a quarterback look better, look at the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky. Okay, so like that system around him has been um, – I think the past three games, everybody's raving about how well Mitchell Trubisky has been playing or whatever. He, he's not playing any, any differently than he had been. Um, he's thrown a lot of underneath dink and dunks type stuff uh, with a lot of – with a lot of fluff to it where the players are making a lot of yards after the catch. And, and um, you know, the, he's playing clean games, which is what you want. And that's the thing is like Baker's playing clean games. He's not putting it in the harm's way, but he's also making these big time throws that down the field with accuracy. So that is like the huge thing for, for Baker. And I, and I think that's why this is sustainable because he's accurate at all, all three levels. And you look at it when he doesn't utilize play action since, you know, this stretch when he's playing, playing extremely well, his grade is an 87.2 without play action. Like you don't just, you just don't perform like that on a fluke. It really, you really kind of don't. And you also do it when you have from you're clean from pressure. He's playing at a high level, regardless if it's play action or not. He's, and if it's a clean pocket, he's playing high level. Nobody plays good when you're under pressure. I, I don't care. Like, you know, you look at Patrick Holmes and you can see all these, these crazy plays that he makes under pressure, but no, you only see the highlights when that happens, you know, like there's like multiple times in a game like yesterday where he was under pressure and, and just missed on throws. Um, though he, he has that absolute ability to make these plays under pressure. Baker, I think has, you look at him, you t- kind of look at him more of the dropback style passer. These guys, the guys need clean pockets. They need to be able to, to operate from a clean pocket. And, and Baker is absolutely able to do that. And I think, you're right. Like this is sustainable as long as he, like what I think happened, you know, what happens in the NFL is that you, you play well, he comes in there, starts on fire, right? They get the book on you and they go, all right, this is how we stop this guy. Defenses started utilizing that. And he didn't have the system around him to be able to go, all right, this is how we get through this. All right. So Freddie kitchens, he's, you know, great guy or whatever. Yeah. Everybody raves about him from the Browns team. You know, Baker was dabbing him up or whatever after the game yesterday, but he didn't have a structure in place for him to go, Hey, this is how we get through this downspout that you're having, because this is the, this is what defenses are doing to you. And this is how you can overcome it. Enter into Kevin Stefanski, a coach that's actually coaching him up and he's able to get through it. You work through that. And now he's past that and go, all right, I've got a counter to this counter that they, they deliver. It took a while but he's there now. And I think we've, you know, teams are going to see eventually come back and go, all right, this is what he's doing well now. How do we take this away? And it's going to be the ends and flows with that. And I think with the system in place now with how he's, how well he's being coached. And I think what we've seen from him, he's, I think this is sustainable. I really do. Well, to that sustainability note, it's like you look at the recent playoff field and that's kind of where everybody's mind's going. Like can the Browns take what they're doing Baker's doing at a high level, and does that translate into the playoffs? We've seen it recently with Tannehill. We've seen it with Cousins. I'm just talking guys who have been in the playoffs, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, where, where do you see Baker fitting in? Is this, is this, I guess, let me ask you this, because I don't see the Browns offense changing much over the next few years. Is, is this offense strictly offense, not talking defense, restructuring that's going to happen? Is, it, is Baker good enough to take what he's doing, take what this offense is doing, the core root of it, 
and carry it into the playoffs and win enough playoff games and potentially a Super Bowl because that's their goal. The next two years, they see a window here. Like, is this offense good enough? Or do you have the same concerns that people in Minnesota had with Kevin last year as their offensive coordinator where things get mundane, they can't throw in predictable pass situations, they can't handle pressure? Do you have fears that those things will crop up and be a burden on the Browns when they need it to be, uh, when they need to make some throws in situations where they're either down uh, heavy, uh, heavy amount of points early or, you know, the third and 13s, whatever type situations you find yourself in where the running game just isn't quite making a difference. I, I mean, there's always concerns, right? Like we don't know. I mean, I, I would have said after rookie year, do I have any concerns about Baker? It's like, oh, there's some things he can improve, but I, like, you know, you're thinking, oh, he's, he's going to be a franchise guy. And then, then you have the, the next year where it's all struggles in the beginning of this year. But I think, I think what we've seen this year is, is, Actually, you've actually seen some progress with this offense in terms of just adding some new wrinkles in. Like, I think last night you saw a good, a lot of good tendency breakers that the, the Browns put out. Like, they had not been running play action from the shotgun. They hadn't been doing play action, uh, runs from the shotgun very often. They started utilizing that. They started tinkering around, all right, what can we do differently to break some tendencies here? And I think that's kind of what you need in the, play, in the playoffs anyways. But it really comes down to being able to, to, to just be able to execute in the playoffs. This system is – is a system, but it's still just about execution and you're going up against better teams. And I think, I don't think the system is a limiting system when it comes to, to winning the Super Bowl. I, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, the 49ers, this is, you know, similar type of system. They made it to the Super Bowl. You look at the Elways, Elways Broncos back in the, you know, eighties and nineties, they went to the Super Bowl five times and they, they ended up winning it twice. Um, it's the system works and it's mainly just about the execution of the players when it comes down to it and beating just making the plays we need to and I think with Baker Mayfield he makes plays he actually does make plays with his arm and obviously he's not a he's not a guy that you're going to have making plays with his legs very often but because he's able to make plays with his arm he has you know one of especially since you know since week seven over the stretch he has the, the most the highest rate of big time throws which is making plays like he he can put it in spots that you need to, to be able to, to, to score with the best of them. And I think we've seen that, that he had the two of the best teams in the NFL, the Ravens and the Titans. And as, as much as, you know, the struggling that the, the Ravens had, they put up about 40 plus in those games. So they, they can, I don't really have a concern with this offense when it comes to the playoffs. And, and that's not going to be the limiting factor if they don't, if they don't go far in the playoffs. Yeah, I certainly think it's good enough. And I think that what I've seen of late you know, we've discussed tendency issues. We've discussed how Baker's performed in neutral passing situations. The tangible improvements are, are, are there. And um, it's trending up at the right time. I think it's trending as Baker gets more comfortable with this play caller. The two are talking about the level at which they have comfort with each other. So um, I have no reason to not have optimism about where this offense is going. We'll see what decisions they make at the end of this year and into uh, the next few seasons. But you know, as a Browns fan, I don't let I don't think you should let people tell you that Baker Mayfield's not good enough to get the job done. That Baker Mayfield's is his success on the field is driven by others. I think that you you really got to say that Baker's making this happen. Like he's doing it. I get it. Stefanski's doing a great job, but but giving other people all the credit for what Baker is doing is a slap in the face, in my opinion. The guy's making plays, and he's doing it. He's changed who he was from last year to this year, and he deserves credit for what's happening. So. Um, you know, I think a big portion of what, what drove me kind of, I guess, irked me today is like, 
if, if, if this whole thing was, was so easy, if every quarterback was so good in play action, we would have 32 teams running the same offense. I just firmly believe it. I, I think if everybody talks about, well, this offense makes it easier for the O-line, makes it easier for the running back, makes it easier for the – then why isn't everyone running it? It's just like there are different quarterbacks who are good at different things, and if you put different quarterbacks in different situations, it's going to always yield different results. Baker has found what works for him. And I think that matters. I truly think it matters. And that's okay that he's thriving within a system that people label quarterback friendly because he's making it work. So, yeah. all right. I, I'm in agreement there. Yeah. I, I just, he, that's, that's the reason why we do what we do at PFF. And, you know, you look at the beginning of the season, right? For first six weeks, Baker was playing badly. Team People were, like, coming to the defense of him going, listen, he only has – you know, he has, I don't know, I can't remember the ratio. He was like a positive ratio in touchdowns, interceptions, and stuff like that. But it's like, it was all, it was, you know, he just wasn't playing all that well. I mean, it was and based on the, you know, the PFF grade. And then he was third worst, I think, over the first six weeks. He's now the best since since the, that Steelers game, since, you know, started the, the Bengals game. So that's what we, why the reason why we do is because it's because he's throwing it accurately, he's throwing it accurately downfield, and he's not throwing these, these negative plays. He's not, he's not putting the ball in harm's way. And he's just, he's rarely missing on throws now. Um, he's all quarterbacks miss. I mean, it's going to happen. Um, and he's just, he's definitely reduced that number and it's, you know, it's fun to watch. I think people should just enjoy the ride. <laughs> I'm with you. It's, it's, it's encouraging. Um, and I, I don't think, yeah, like, I don't think we have to argue it. He's playing well. Uh, and, and, and this, what he's doing well fits exactly what Kevin Stefanski wants to be. And I think that that, the great part of it is the Browns are building an offense that doesn't rely on one thing. Like it doesn't rely just on Baker. It doesn't rely just on Nick. It doesn't rely just on, uh, you know, the Jarvis and, and, and Richard and all these guys. This is how the they, Patriots won exactly. for years. Exactly. You, you literally take what you do, attack defenses, weaknesses based on what you have available at your disposal. I think they'll continue doing that. John, good stuff, bro. I appreciate taking some time. Yeah, my pleasure. Always a great time to chat with you, Jake. A big thank you to John for taking time out of his busy day early in the week as he's doing all of his grading and so forth, and uh, make sure you check him out. And if you're not a member of Pro Football Focus, you should do that too. You also should become a member at the OBR, where we have great deals going on all the time for our members. Great private film rooms. We have a Baker Mayfield film study, interactive film study every Tuesday night. Uh, granted that the uh, that the NFL schedule and the Brown schedule and all of that and the All-22 release works out. We're also stepping it up with a defensive film study. Myself and John Stephenson, who's uh, All-22 Chalk Talk on Twitter, is great defensive analysis. We're going to step that up this week. Uh, as we tried it last week, it was a little rough around the edges, but we'll get better at it as we go. It can be very interactive to talk about the Browns' defense. So uh, join us. Join us at the OBR. Subscribe to this podcast. Rate, review on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your pods. I always appreciate your support. I hope you know it means the world to me. I hope you and yours stay happy and healthy through the holiday season. We'll talk later this week. But if I don't get a chance to or you don't listen to any other podcast by me, have a great Christmas. Um, love your, you know, love your ones that are close to you, your family members. Uh, and take care of yourself and take care of them. And, and like I said, have a great, have a great Christmas. Until we chat next time, see you at the Browns and get to 11 wins. Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.